On the show today, a pilot program in Jackson, Mississippi will allow police to use your Ring doorbell video with your permission. Apple announces new privacy details that will be required for apps. Privacy wins big at the ballot box last Tuesday. Our scam of the day is a bank survey offer that actually led me nowhere. And today's tip discusses eight things you should never post on the internet. All of that and more is coming up on the November 9th, 2020 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal Podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have five stories on the newsbeat today, the last three of which are all related to the election. But we begin with a pilot program in Jackson, Mississippi, where the Police Surveillance Center is beginning a 45-day trial which will stream video from connected security cameras, including ring doorbells. The program does require owners to opt in, so no video will be collected without the permission of the camera's owners. However, this does raise some privacy concerns with some people. Owners who have decided to opt out of the program may find that a neighbor's security camera is still broadcasting activity from areas of their property that they thought were private. Many privacy advocates agree that video surveillance may be important for policing in some areas, but they disagree with the implementation of this program. They say that a program of video monitoring should be instituted with full transparency and communication between the police and the residents. Moving on to news from Apple, The company announced that apps in the App Store will be required to display privacy information in a new format beginning on December 8th. This new format has been termed the Nutrition Label for Privacy, which refers to the standard format in which food manufacturers must display information about a food's nutritional content. App developers will be required to use a standard format for displaying information related to data collection and tracking. Beginning December 8th, no apps or app updates will be approved to be listed in the App Store without having this information completed. I think this is an excellent step for privacy. We have long needed privacy data that can be easily understood rather than extended multi-page privacy policies that you need a team of lawyers to be able to understand. Hopefully, Google will follow Apple's lead and implement a similar policy for the Play Store. And while we're still waiting for some election results to come in, several ballot initiatives to improve privacy passed during last week's election. In Portland, Maine, residents approved a measure that bans the use of facial recognition in surveillance. Citizens will be able to claim a minimum of $1,000 in civil fees 
for surveillance that violates this order, and any city employee who used or authorized the use of this technology could be suspended or terminated. In Massachusetts, state residents approved a measure that would require cars that collect and transmit mechanical data to use an open data platform, which would permit independent repair shops to access this data for use during repairs. While questions do exist around exactly what information is and is not covered by this law, this is considered a victory for the right to choose who repairs your vehicle. And finally, on the other side of the country, voters in California passed a proposition that closes several loopholes in the state's existing privacy laws, which were already considered the strictest in the nation. This law creates a state agency to monitor enforcement of the provisions, bringing California's law more closely in line with the European Union's GDPR. However, some privacy experts expressed concern at some of the provisions, including one which permitted companies to charge for services if users choose to opt out of data sharing. They were also concerned that the law limited enforcement to a single agency instead of permitting anyone to sue over supposed violations. So while we may still be waiting for the results of last Tuesday's most prominent elections, one thing is clear. With ballot measures passing from Maine to California, privacy was the big winner of last week's election, literally from sea to shining sea. And now we move on to our scam of the day. Today's scam was quite obvious for me. It came from Chase Bank Research, with bank spelt B-A-N-C-K. It used the obviously legitimate email address 9003hc6mg5.u0q3agkfxj at ui.sohop.com. The subject line read, We want your feedback. Free reward inside. As before, I'll be censoring my email address using the term email address instead. The email read, Congratulations, email address. You have been select to get an exclusive reward. Tell us about your banking experience and we will offer you an exclusive offer worth $90 or more. Over $4 million in offers given out so far and get a $90 promo reward. If you no longer wish to receive these emails, you may unsubscribe by clicking unsubscribe here or by writing to 801 U.S. Highway 1, North Palm Beach, Florida, 33408. I tried to do some research on this one, but I kept getting stopped each time. First, I tried looking up the domain that was sending the email, but it didn't have a website associated with it. Then I tried searching for the address that was mentioned in the email, but it was a condo complex and not any kind of bank. So finally, I clicked on the link. Now, as I've mentioned in past episodes, don't do this. I only did this in a special environment designed to keep everything safe. But even clicking on the link in the email was a dead end. The page couldn't be loaded. So in the end, there wasn't much else I could do. I suspect that this was trying to steal Chase Bank account credentials, 
but I can't be certain since the link didn't even work. If you encounter a scam that you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is a multiple answer question, so any combination of these answers could be correct. The question is, which of these are reasons why you might not want to use Google Drive, OneDrive, or Dropbox to back up your files? A. If you make changes on multiple devices, you could end up with multiple copies of the files. B. If your devices are lost in a disaster, you won't be able to download copies of your data. C. You only have one copy of your data stored on Google servers. D. If ransomware encrypts your files, your backups could also be encrypted. Or E. If you lose internet access, you lose access to your data. The correct answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 2 in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released at 8 a.m. on Monday, November 16th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz rules. Last week's question was, which of these is not a recommended way to protect your online banking accounts? A. Only use your personal devices. B. Don't worry about password strength since the bank requires two-factor authentication. C. Set up alerts to warn you of certain activities. Or D. Only use the bank's mobile app when on your phone. The correct answer, which since I asked for which option is not right, is technically the incorrect answer, is B. Two-factor authentication is never a good reason to use weaker security in any other area. You should always use a strong password alongside two-factor authentication. Do you know someone who overshares on social media? The chances are probably good that you have at least one friend who does that. While oversharing might just be annoying, in some cases, it can also be harmful. We'll discuss eight things you should never share online when we come back from this quick break. If you have a cybersecurity question you'd like to know the answer to, you don't have to wait for an episode about it. We want to hear from you, whether it's a question you have or a comment you want to leave us about the show. 
You can reach us by email at info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or you can leave a voicemail at 859-968-9399, option 2. We'd love to hear your feedback or your questions, and we will definitely consider them when we discuss future topics or changes to the show. Plus, if we select a topic based on your message, we'll be sure to recognize you in that episode. Once again, that's info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or 859-968-9399, option 2. In the well-known movie Home Alone, young Kevin McAllister is left at home by himself while two burglars, Harry and Marv, attempt to rob the house. Through a series of humorous events, Kevin manages to elude Harry and Marv until their eventual capture by the police. Harry and Marv targeted the McAllister's house because they were all supposed to be on vacation. As the title of the movie implied, Kevin wasn't supposed to be left behind. And if he hadn't been left, the house would have been vacant for the robbers. Social media didn't exist in 1990 when this movie was released, but if it had, it likely would have made part of Harry and Marv's jobs easier. They wouldn't have needed to scout the neighborhood looking for houses that seemed vacant. All they would have needed to do was to search for some clues on social media and piece that together with some public details to find homes that would almost certainly have been vacant at the time. It's for this reason that you need to be careful what you post on social media. Don't give anyone the ability to connect your posts and figure out details that you might not want them to have. So here are eight things you shouldn't post online. First, as I've already alluded to, don't post your vacation plans on social media. Don't announce to the world that you're going to be away from home for any length of time. And it's not even a good idea to post details just for your friends. Can you honestly say that you completely trust every person on your friends list? I'd love to think that I could, but I have many friends that I haven't kept in touch with for years. Along the same line, don't post check-ins or details of where you're at while you're on vacation. If you post at 6 p.m. that you're somewhere far away from home, someone could rightfully assume there's little chance that you'll be home that night. Second, don't post pictures of your credit card or your debit card online. Now you would think this one would be obvious, but there's a Twitter account that proves that it's not. A link to that account will be available in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash episode 36. Yes, there are people who have literally posted a picture of their credit card or debit card online, complete with the number. And there's even people who have fallen for the question, can you turn it over and show us what the back looks like? So if you're tempted to post a picture of your credit card or debit card online, the best advice is don't. But if you're so excited to receive that new card, make sure you only take a picture of the part that doesn't include the number 
the expiration, or the verification code on the back. Third, don't post pictures of your tickets online. Each ticket has a unique barcode or QR code that will be used to validate it. And each of those barcodes can only be used once. Even if the picture isn't clear enough to scan the barcode from directly, someone could recreate it using an online barcode generator. If that person arrives before you, you could find yourself unable to enter the concert or sporting event that you have tickets for. So while you may want to brag to your friends that you got tickets to the latest hot event, make sure that you don't share the barcodes. Fourth, don't post your home address online. I'm sure there's people you're friends with online that you don't necessarily want to be able to come visit you at home. And it's even worse if you post it on a public page. When combined with other details that could be gleaned from your public profile, that address could cause major issues for you. Along the same line, be careful with posting pictures of your house online. If the house number is present in the picture, someone could search for all of the houses in your city that have that number. It may be a lot, but it may also be smaller than you think. And then once they've found each address, it's very easy to pull up Google Street View and see if that's your house. Fifth, don't post details about where you work or what job you do. No matter what you do, you could be targeted for special kinds of attacks. And if you're fairly high in your organization or you work in a specialized area like finance or HR, someone could definitely try to target you specifically for attacks. If you do post your job information on social media, at least keep it private. Sixth, don't post your relationship status online, or at the very least, don't make it public. If you make it public that you're single, you're going to receive a number of friend requests from fake profiles that are trying to use a relationship to scam you. At the very least, this is annoying. So be careful in accepting friend requests from people that you don't know. Seventh, stay positive when you're posting on social media. Don't post anything off-color, anything negative about your job, or even things that are negative about other people. These could all come back to reflect on you. Even if you've blocked people you work with from seeing that post where you complained about your job, Never assume that it won't get back to your company. Someone could always screenshot it and send it to them. I do know people who have lost jobs due to their posts on social media. Also, make sure that you think about the possible consequences before you livestream something on social media. You might think you're doing the world a public service by berating someone you disagree with and posting it online but you're actually just going to make the world think that you're a big jerk. And the things you post, even when they're not about your job, could still cost you your job. And along that line, number eight is to never say anything to someone online that you wouldn't say if they were standing in front of you. Some people think it's fine to be a jerk to others online, especially to people they don't know. 
But the truth is that the person on the other end is going to take your comments just as much to heart as they would if you were saying those things in person. So to put it simply, just be nice. So while there are plenty of things that you can post online, there are some things that you should just not post online. Some of these could hurt your privacy or invite those who wish to do you harm. Some could end up costing you money. And some could even cost you your job. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening and come back again next week where our tip will discuss how you can protect your credit score. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.